Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, you said last week you're going to Vegas, Brian. But this week, we're bringing Vegas to you, Johnny Vegas. And he is a longer-time veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. Michael, it's going to be fabulous. It sure is. Plus, your promo about nothing is coming up after that and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, episode 149, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast currently on an extended hiatus for the ring and joining me as always is a veteran of the new england independent mat wars now he is a ring of honor wrestler he is mr inside edition he is brawl daddy brian malonis uh you didn't say contracted mike you are contracted now that is true yeah you forgot to you forgot to add it in i figured it's just implied Uh, i don't know kind of like when you say it (laughs) no you'd rather i say it all right (laughs) noted noted so you don't like brawl daddy no, that's stupid. I'm trying to get the brawler thing. Well, just say the brawler then. The brawler, Brian. I, I wanted to get... That's a nice nickname. It's like Daddy Cat. Brawl Daddy. Not feeling it? Nope. Not Sounds it. like a late night commercial kind nope. of thing? Nope. Sounds... It stinks. Sounds terrible. Okay, so you're just the brawler, Brian Malonis? Exactly. Okay, so we'll, well, I guess we'll stick with that. We are here. Oh, wait, wait, ex- Exactatigly? Right? Ex- thank it? you, Exactly. <laughs> so we are here at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy once again. I was able to get the power cable from my computer, so I'm using my laptop once again after three months. Yeah, I mean, you, you live so far away from this place, you could never have just come by on a Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday and, and just picked it up, even though you live 20 minutes at most away. Very busy life, Brian. Oh, Jesus. It's Here we go. Here we go. I got to listen to you about your busy life. Are you kidding me? All right, Brian. Well, we are here for a very special reason. We're going to get to it in just a second. But before we get to it, I guess we might as well plug BrianMalonis.com. Yeah. And Mike, we have a... We have a winner? We have a winner. Of what? Of a phone call. Really? Yes. So I thought next week uh, on this podcast... Next week in the wrestling podcast about nothing, what are we doing? That we could call, we could call the, uh, the purchaser... We won't say who it is yet. He's actually somebody who some of the fans out there, uh, and and definitely a lot of the guys, you know, a lot of the guys in the wrestling business who listen to this podcast will definitely know uh, who bought the shirt. So yeah, I think I think next week on this podcast we call them together and and and, and record it and put it on the podcast. Sounds good, right? All right. So it's a mystery to everybody. Yes, except Until for next me. Week. Okay. Except well, for me. if you want to be. Uh just like this guy who bought a t-shirt, go to BrianMalonis.com. You can get the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt plus the Mastodon shirt, the old school Kingpin shirt, and the Mega Malonis shirt, right? Indeed. You can get all four of those. BrianMalonis.com. 20 bucks a piece, essentially. So go go get one. And uh, if you're also so inclined, head over to the ROH Pro Shop and get a Bouncers t-shirt for yourself. Before that. We're the thing. hottest thing going in Ring of Honor, baby. 
Well, baby. All right. <laughs> You're using your babies now. <laughs> you are using my babies. All right. Uh, BrianMalonis.com. Also, how about the WPAN.com? That is the WPAN.com. That is our hub. That is our home base. That is the official website of the wrestling podcast about nothing. It's basically the monks of the wrestling podcast about nothing. Where we just hang out and talk about nudes, right? Weenus for days. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so go to the website. You can listen to the podcast through the website. Also, you can find ways to subscribe, the various ways to subscribe to the podcast. Go there. Click on your favorite, plus the social media links. We are basically at the WPAN on all social media platforms, so you can find that there, plus bios, pictures, Nothing too risque because you are a uh, national celebrity now. Right. Well, probably lots of nip slips from me. But <laughs> 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 Depen- depending on what what era the pictures are from my uh, career, probably lots of uh, lots of nipple, lots of Brian Malone's nipple on the WPAN.com. So you got a lot of that to look forward to, folks. <laughs> You're welcome. Take a look at the WPAN.com. All right, as I said, we're here at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, and we have a very special guest with us. He is, in fact. A trainer here at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. He's a he may or may not be the commissioner of Chaotic Wrestling. We'll have to talk about that. He's a man of many talents, and on March 30th, Brian, he will be in Derry, New Hampshire, for Brian Malotis presents LSW's Astromania. <laughs> yeah, in conjunction with the Pinkerton Academy class of 2019. Okay, let's get that out and, there. As well. And he will be there. Uh, he will be there. And that man is. Can I say his name now? Yes, you may. Fabulous Johnny Vegas. Wow, thanks, guys. Can we what can we intro. say you're a New Hampshire resident? Is that okay? Uh, Kayfabe. Sure. sure. <laughs> you can say it. Making your uh, springtime residence and yes <laughs> and. Lake Winnipesaukee. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Vegas, it's wonderful to have you. This is your you. podcast debut, I'm guessing. This is. It is my debut. I'm very excited. Do I get like a toaster or something? Uh, we'll see what we can do. We'll see when can I do. leave here, do I get like a new suit? Well, that's not a uh, You know, it's lovely parting gifts. Mainly uh, a very heartfelt thank you. Oh, okay. That's, that's good. That goes a long way. So from what I understand, you not only have never been on a podcast, you never even listened to a podcast. Is that true? Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I got out of good authority downstairs. Yeah, Yeah, I got the third degree downstairs. Oh, Brian Fury angry about something weird. (laughs) (laughs) So it is great to have you here, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm flattered. Thanks for doing it. Hey, you know what? We can just divert for one second. Sure. Maybe, Maybe we can take this opportunity to reveal... Johnny Vegas' match for oh. Astromania. Let's do it. Yes, I, I, and I think a big one. one that, a match that I put together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I, I, I'm obviously intrigued by it. Uh, two guys who I think will, will mesh very well. I think it's going to be a super entertaining match, a super fun match for all. Fabulous Johnny Vegas taking on the king of dad style, what? Scotty Slade, that guy. Scotty Slade. Yeah, yeah how about match. that? Yeah. It will be a heck of a match. I'm excited for that one. Well, who's going to referee it? What? <laughs> you're gonna well, not you. You're going to be too blown up for my match, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe you can sneak in two. Perhaps. Perhaps. We'll give but a little yeah. oxygen thing. March the 30th, Derry, New Hampshire, Pinkerton Academy, mm-hmm. Fabulous Johnny Vegas versus the King of Dad style, Scotty Slade. And you don't do it quite as often as you used to, Johnny Vegas. Is that by choice or is that just... Yeah, you know, uh, probably it's more by choice. But if people ask, you know, I still am willing to do some. But I'm not uh, into <clears throat> traveling that far right now because my job makes me stay home on weekends to work. So we try and stay around the area. I see. I see. So, but if you want to fly me someplace, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Man, namely, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I mentioned- Michael, hold on, hold on. Before we get into too much here, Michael. Uh, 
hates all things Disney. Oh, God. Yeah. Are you kidding? I the don't most, hate all things the Disney. The most miserable just... man on earth, and I can't wait till... That's ridiculous. I can't wait till him, his wife, and mm-hmm. his son are taking family vacations there, and they see how wonderful it yep. is, and Mike is just as crazy about it as, as we are. He'll get taken in. It happens. There's just like a mania, especially around the people that I associate with. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems to be a thing among wrestling people. It's like we got quite a few. We live a fantasy really life, it. and you go down there to live a fantasy life. I think that's kind of what it is. What's wrong with happiness, Mike? What's wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. with happiness? <laughs> to escape. The real that's world is, is very bleak. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Uh, so I mentioned the commissioner thing. Yes. You may still have the role as commissioner. We quizzed you beforehand, and you said that. Maybe it was taken from you? Well, I I beat Ilya Markopoulos, and uh, at the end, he went back, and I didn't see. He grabbed a chair and took me out, my legs, my knee, my back, everything like that. So I've been out of the picture for a little while, and he kind of took it upon himself to assume the role of general uh, manager. So I see. We'll see what happens. So that's how the general manager role works in chaotic wrestling. I, I guess. the previous guy. It's like a, the monarchy, you know, it's like the throne. If you take out the current king, you're like the king now. It's like the Wild West now. It's like everybody, everybody <laughs> calls their own shots now. Whatever. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll show up one of these shows and sure. take, uh, take out Ilya. That's, That's a good cool. idea. It's a good take idea. It over. Yeah. Johnny Vegas. Did yes. You, did you grow up a fan of the professional wrestling? Oh, absolutely. A big fan. I mean, you know, when did you I start would, watching? Oh, in the. <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> you know, at the time when I was watching. It wasn't on TV as much. It was on maybe midnight, Saturday night, 1 o'clock in the morning. If, if they came to town, they would come to Boston Garden once a month, once every two months, and I would beg my father to take me. Occasionally, it used to be they would come to Salisbury Beach at the place called the Frolics. This is really dating myself. Frolics. The Frolics was a building that they had big events in. And again, anything local like that, I would just beg my father. We had to go. You had to go to see these big events happening. You had to go see it live. There was no big televised events at that time. So we would go to the garden. So how long were you going as a fan before you kind of got the itch? Yeah, I really uh, the real itch to get to be a part of the action was probably in 1990. But I didn't want to be in the ring at that point. I wanted to be a ring announcer, do uh, interviews, do play-by-play. That's what my original plan was. Because I, I was talking to you after a show uh, a few weeks ago, and you were telling me about... You did radio. Correct. This was a little bit before you decided to get it, or at the same time? Uh, I did some radio before, during, and after, and I thought this would be kind of cool to get into, and uh, it was cool. It was very cool. I really had no desire to, uh, again, be in the ring until one thing led to another, and that's how my story starts. So who were the guys that were like, you're, I mean, everybody has like that, Either it's like that moment that turned them on to wrestling when they first discovered it, or like that person that like inspired them and that they really identified. Like, who would you say? Like, what's what's the guy? Who's little Johnny Vegas is like guy of like the, the, your hero? Is it Mula? <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna make me cough. <laughs> I was a uh, Bruno Sammartino, Chief J Strongbow guy. Mm. My favorite tag team was Dean Ho and Tony Gurria. Wow. I was deathly afraid of the Valiant Brothers and the Blackjacks. <laughs> so this is, again, very dating myself, but this is how I grew up. These are the guys that were very influential. Uh, Bruno was the man at the time. Uh, Chief J. Strongbow was uh, you know, an American Indian hero. 
you know, fighting off the bad guys like Killer Kowalski and, uh, you know, uh, the Russian Ivan Koloff. You know, these are guys, superstar Billy Graham. These are guys that were really bad and the good guys would stand up to them, you know, and it was a very exciting time. And it was, it was impactful for me to watch these guys like Bruno Sammartino being the champion for, I don't know, seven years, 11 years, whatever it was, a long time. So We watched a championship wrestling from... 77. Uh, whatever, whatever year it was. It was when Billy Graham had just won the WWF title or WWF title. Right. God damn, watching at that point, I don't know how you're a fan because that was terrible. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was uh, interesting back then. The times have definitely changed. So and there it wasn't was, a lot to compare it to. I mean, you had your area and you had your one wrestling show that you watched, right? Right, exactly. You know, we had up in this area. I mean, you weren't doing ratings? You weren't, like, uh, analyzing uh, <laughs> no. the match quality and uh, work rate and all that? No. I oh, mean, weird. You just enjoyed it as a fan. I just enjoyed oh, it okay. as a fan, yes. <laughs> absolutely. Back then, the old WWF, Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Vince yes. McMahon hosting it, Jr. When I met you, it was like the mid-2000s, Front Row Wrestling, oh. Maverick Wild. Mm -hmm. But probably a year or two ago now, I found a video on YouTube of a young, fresh-faced, well-coiffed gentleman hosting a program called UCW. Mm -hmm. Is this your first foray into professional wrestling? This was, yes. I had met a guy named John McAdam. Yes. He owned Universal Championship Wrestling, and uh, I uh, got An together with him. outlaw promotion. Outlaw. <laughs> I got together with him, and we, uh, I would do some play-by-play, -play, some color. He had a couple of other guys. He actually had Chris Cruz was part of his organization who's gone on to, he's done. Uh, WCW and uh, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And a couple of other guys, and we would kind of rotate between ring announcing, color, and play-by-play. Uh, -play. So that was my... Real introduction into wrestling, being on this side of the fence of it. So I know, yeah, I know John McAdam was a fan, like a tape trader. Is that how you knew him to get in? How did you make you know, that for play? some reason in my head? Now this was a few years ago. I think there was an ad placed in the paper, and I think I read that ad and I said, "Oh, this is in Nashua. I'm going to talk to him about this." And he said, "Come on down." And we started doing our things, and uh, you know, we taped a lot of stuff preparing possibly for a television, but nothing ever really made. I think he wanted to do something on some of the local stations, but it never really made it. What I saw was you as like a host almost doing like wraparounds. Yeah. That you had that role as well as doing ring announcing. And After we had uh, done a couple of uh, bunch of shows, we had all this footage and we decided to do a uh, best of Universal Championship Wrestling tape. And uh, so we, we sat together and we put picked a bunch of matches and we would preview them, set them up, Show them and then talk about it a little bit like that. So we did. It was almost like a best of Universal Championship Restaurant, Restaurant, Wrestling Restaurant. <laughs> I must be getting hungry. It was Volume One though, so Volume Two might be out soon. <laughs> How did you feel making that transition? Was it natural because you had some like radio experience? Did it feel mm -hmm. natural to you? You knew you're wrestling. Did it take a lot to get used to? No, I, I've always been comfortable talking and doing things like that. So that was kind of cool because. Uh, you know, again, doing the radio thing was good because a lot of times you have to talk by yourself, so it wasn't a problem. And then talking with somebody else is easy, so it was it was pretty cool. How long did that last, the UCW? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Freight Train Fulton yep. and Bill Wilcox, Bill Wilcox were yep. two guys that left Kowalski's to go there and were kind of excommunicated uh, from Kowalski's whole world because of it. How long did that whole thing last? I want to say it was probably 
couple of years, maybe maybe one or two years. I don't think it went more than that, if that. Either he just lost interest or he ran out of money. I'm not sure. You know, some of the shows didn't draw as well as we we had hoped. So, um, you know, and it's expensive. It costs money to, to do these shows, and people don't realize that it costs money to put these things together. So either he ran out of some funds and we just kind of stopped. I think that's what happened, but I'm not sure. Now, were you running around New Hampshire or did yeah, you get Yeah, basically it was out of Nashua, New Hampshire. Pretty much we stayed in the same place. I think it was St. Stan's Hall okay. in Nashua that we pretty much ran there exclusively. That's come up a few times in the show, that uh, yeah, that venue. Yeah. Infamous. It was good. It was nice and big. It was a good place. The hall was nice. Then they either they sold it or they just stopped renting it out. I'm not sure. I saw uh, Greg Valentine's ass there. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> They changed next to each other in the locker room, and he uh, hmm. bent right over to pull his uh, underpants down. <laughs> okay, right there, right in my face. So, okay, wow, there you go. that's nice. It's yeah, a that's late my, Valentine's Day gift. That and yeah. I, uh, I was the uh, crusher Brian Blackwell there. Ah, so. oh, you were. Yes, nice, <laughs> cool, very cool. So in UCW, you just remained in that role. Uh, you didn't venture into the wrestling side at no, that point. No, not at all. Uh, in fact, I would tell the guys if I'm interviewing, whatever, don't touch me. Don't put your hands on me at all. I don't want to get involved. And I didn't. I had no desire at that point. I wanted to be on the outside of the ring. That's what I enjoyed doing first. So you scaredy cat? I just thought I was too small. <laughs> you know. And then I, I realized after that, I said, wow, there's a lot of small guys that are doing this. So You're, you're a real piece of shit. You know that, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> you're a real asshole. Why? No, I was just having a little fun. Yeah, are you? Yeah. Fun for you being a prick. Oh, come on. <laughs> so after UCW, uh, was there a gap of time that you weren't doing anything, or did you find someplace else? I think there was a short gap, but then uh, you know, I'd met some people along the way, like like Maverick Wild, and he was going uh, doing shows for uh, Lobster Man Jeff Costa. Yes. So I followed along too and said hey i do some ring announcing i do this if you're interested i'm available no thanks kid we got a ring announcer <laughs> we're all set <laughs> like okay and he was using uh jay pinkham okay right? he's down in florida i think now yeah he but ended he, up he doing was, wfa way later yeah so he was doing it for the time and i'm like okay that's cool and then um Something came up that I became a manager for Jeff Costa and Sonny Goodspeed. They were known as the Suicide Blondes, and I was exclusively just their manager. I was known as Mr. French. For those that if you know the old My 60s sitcom called Family Affair, there was a TV show about a, a, a widower and his two kids, and they had a butler, and his name was Mr. French. It was a big, fat guy. I don't know why. In a beard, and I have neither. His name like Buffy and Jody or something? Exactly. Like yeah. All right. But the thing was- How do you know about that? I watched it as a kid. Really? Must well, have been in like reruns or in some Oh, definitely whatever, reruns because that was probably in the 60s. So he would wear a tuxedo, and that's what, all I stole from him. And they called me Mr. French. I wore a tuxedo, white gloves, had a red feather duster, and I would brush them off as they approached the ring. They were the suicide blondes. That was my first real wrestling type of thing being near the ring, at least. Again, not ever being involved much, but that's how I really started is managing. Now, you didn't train for that role? You just, they, no. they put you out there? Right. Only because, you know, I had a big mouth and I wasn't afraid to talk or do things or be in front of people. So that's how I really started with that. After that, uh, I noticed that there was a wrestling school up in Salisbury Beach at Champs Arena. Oh. And Sonny Goodspeed would go up there occasionally, who I become friends with, obviously, by managing. He said, why don't you come up and, you know, um, hang out? I said, you know what? I said, I'll come up. 
and watch, and I'll give you some feedback being on this side of the ring and see how it looks, how things look. And so I would go up and watch, and then I noticed there was a, a couple of small guys, one in particular was small like myself, and his name was uh, Amato Figueroa, who is known now as Sethrin or part of Nightbreed. Yes. He was training, and so uh, <clears throat> I would go and watch training, and then eventually I, I would go to the ring and say, hey, look, you're small like me, maybe we can do a couple of things in the ring. And because they were all big guys and I was throwing them around and stuff like that. So I got in and started doing a few things. One thing led to another. I started going three times a week and uh, just started training, I guess. And uh, at the time it was um, Big City Mike and John Callahan owned the promotion, I guess. They had a trainer there by the name of Gino Caruso, who's uh, from Florida. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I started going and training, and eventually they said, hey, you'd be better inside the ring than outside. Why don't you continue on? And I did. I stayed and I trained. At that time, Sonny wasn't there anymore. It was just pretty much Gino Caruso, and uh, that's how my training started. That was October of <clears throat> 1993. So maybe that was after Sonny Goodspeed told everybody at Champs Arena to fuck off. Could be. <laughs> when, when, when they did the, uh, the Salisbury Beach screw job we talked about As with Sonny. A past episode. This podcast. Yes. In the archives. <laughs> yeah, so check that out. Uh, so where did Johnny Vegas come from? Johnny Vegas didn't start right away. Oh, okay. You were still Mr. French? I was Mr. French, but at the time of the Suicide Blondes, uh, they had broken up. Sonny Goodspeed turned babyface. I turned babyface with him. And for some reason, my Mr. French character turned into Fabulous Frenchie. <laughs> no more tuxedo. I wore a tracksuit and it said Sonny Goodspeed on the back and I would manage him. Okay. At the time when I was training, it was Jeff Costa that actually helped me and uh, I said, you know, I got to really think of something here that I want to pursue and be. And at the time, I actually wanted to be, I wanted to be Mr. Fabulous. It's from the Blues Brothers movie, the, I don't know if you're familiar with the Blues Brothers movie, but the guy that played the trumpet was called Mr. Fabulous. I said, okay. oh, that'd be kind of cool. I'd like to be called Mr. Fabulous. So I talked to Jeff Costa. He said, you know, you love Vegas so much. Why don't you do something with Vegas? Why don't you be Johnny Vegas? I go, oh, wait, I got it. As soon as you drive into Las Vegas, there's a big sign that says, welcome to fabulous Las Vegas. I said, I'm going to be fabulous Johnny Vegas. And that's how it happened. So you, your in-ring started with Jeff Costa on Lobster Man shows, or you started no, with actually, the I started Big City Champ Mike shows? The first one was at Champs Arena. It's actually funny because uh, I may have done a battle royal, but I, it's a little foggy. My first one-on-one -on -one match, though, I had been training again, mostly with Amato. They were doing a show, and I wasn't on it yet. So I was just there to help. And they said, hey, we got an extra spot. Why don't you do a match? I'm like, with who? He says, well, where's Amato? I go, uh, I'll get him. I call him up. He lives in Peabody. I said, hey, can you get here? He says, I'm on my way. So he gets here. We actually did our first match together. and It was, it was uh, <clears throat> wonderful. Is it happening? <laughs> was both your first matches? I'm not sure about him. He may have had one, maybe one before me. I'm not sure, but pretty much we're pretty close. It was in the spring of, of 94, so this is 25 years this spring. So we'll see if we can get you that gold wash for 25 um, that's, years. I'm holding out for the gold watch. I don't know who gives it. Oh, Brian Fury to pony up. Yeah, I'm, I'm already, he already. gave himself a, a nice retirement uh, That's right. Ceremony. I'm not retiring yet, though. I'm not ready for that yet. No, but if he sprung continue. for uh, you know all the stuff he did for his own retirement, I mean, yeah. he can get you a gold watch for 25 years of actually wrestling. Maybe people will think I should retire, but um, we'll still give it a little longer. <laughs> that's pretty much the progress so that's the timeline of how things happen and uh, you know it's just it just goes by fast just like anything else once you 
start doing something, all of a sudden you realize you're in it for five years, then you're in it for 10 years. It's like, what, 20 years I'm in this thing already? Now 25? It just really is, is fast. But you meet so many people along the way, a lot of great people, some not so great, but mostly they're, they're pretty cool. Did you go from the uh, Champs Arena shows to work for Jeff Costa, Lobster Man, or did yeah. you work both at the same time? Was there a falling uh, out or some sort no, of... No, I, uh, I think I did both, I think. And then it's very Champ, rare, Brian. Champs Arena kind of closed, I think. Unfortunately, at one point, uh, Big City Mike passed away. Mm-hmm. It kind of just stopped. And uh, so I was pretty much exclusively with uh, All-Star Wrestling at the time, Jeff Costa, AWA, I think it was, and it had a few different name changes, but uh, he took care of me the most. So do you have any good Lobster Man stories? See, we, you um, know, we had a conversation downstairs, <laughs> and I said, and I said, you know, we're probably going to look for a couple of good Lobster Man stories. <laughs> you know, I pretty much keep to myself a lot of times. You know, the shows, I just go home. Guys go out and do things or whatever. But uh, I remember when I when I first started training and stuff, and uh, Jeff was doing a show in Connecticut, I believe it was, and he said, hey, you want a referee? I'm like, sure, I'll do whatever you want. So I had to referee the whole card. So if you're doing one match, you think that's tough, I did the whole card. Oh. And, uh, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. And uh, there was a, a kid from the area, a hefty kid, little round guy who says he had been trained. He comes up to Jeff. Hey, uh, he comes in. He's got a, a belt already. <laughs> he's like, hey, you got any room? And Jeff's like, hey, you work, kid? He's like, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I'll put you with Sonny Goodspeed. So I'm refereeing. And Sonny Goodspeed's finisher at the time was a powerbomb or something like that. He powerbombed the kid. Of course, the kid's eyes roll back in his head. Sonny gets the one, two, three, and leaves. I'm standing there, a rookie, looking at this kid. His eyes are back in his head. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. So I just told somebody, go get somebody in the back. Finally, I slapped the kid a couple of times in the face, and he just he kind of woke up you know, and rolled him out of the ring. Afterwards, he's in the back. He's asking everybody, hey, hey, did you watch my match? Did you see my match? Did it, where's my belt? You know, and it was, he was just out of it. And it was it was a scary time because, again, I was really green at the time and, and uh, didn't know much about what happened. And... So now I know, tuck your chin, kid. <laughs> so Sonny Goodspeed's a new champion, is what you're saying. Uh, I guess whatever belt that kid had. <laughs> but Jeff was always was good to me. Uh, we would go out a lot of times, you know, trying to get some heat at the beginning of, a, of the show. One time we're up in Vermont. It was great. And the good crowd in Vermont. And he says, come on, let's go out there and get some heat, kid. I'm like, okay, sure. So we're just out talking and just saying stuff and they're getting riled up and finally I just I stood up and I said you know you better sit down and shut up before I slap that beard off your face lady and the place erupted it was really funny (laughs) you had to be there but it was really good because it was Vermont and it was kind of believable it's it's Vermont (laughs) I remember one kid would always tell me he was he was on the show I always liked a little added pressure you know I had like eight to ten minutes for a match Jeff came over to me as I'm getting ready to go out he says hey I need another eight minutes I'm like, yeah, okay. And I walked on, did 18 minutes. And the kid afterwards says, wow, how did you do that? I don't know. You just, you just do it, you know? And I like that kind of thing where if you need extra time or whatever, performing under pressure, I think is kind of cool. So you didn't meticulously plan out the match backstage? Oh, God, no. Especially, <laughs> you know, I always tell the story. One time, again, I was still new at this, and we, we did a school show. It was at a school, and we had locker rooms that were boys and girls locker rooms. So we separated heels and babies, and you didn't see your opponent until you got in the ring. And that was it. And I learned quickly, on my feet, out of work. You had to. Absolutely. And getting learning how to work is another thing too. When I trained with Gino Caruso, learning how to take every bump there was, you know, not that I take a bunch now, but I at the time I took everything that that they did, I did. 
Never really learned how to work until I went to Jeff Costa. And he says, ah, kid, you got to learn how to work. And I learned how the world of professional wrestling really works, you know, and how it's not just all about bumping. Because people talk about Lobster Man and, you know, the foam claws and stuff like that. But he was a part of a territory he was, in Canada. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He has a, quite a background for being up in Canada with some, some names up there. So he knew what he was doing. Bruiser Costa. So say, wrestling is definitely not about bumping because <laughs> I don't bump. <laughs> so Johnny Vegas, who were some of the guys you like to work with in the uh, the Lobster Man era of your career? Uh, I in- did enjoy working with Amato Figaro when he was uh, Wolverine at the time, I think, wow. and then Setherin stuff like that. We we had good matches. My other favorite was Gary Cadalis, Gary the Torch Cadalis. Ah, uh, yes, very very nice guy and uh, fun to work with. Uh, we had some good matches together. In fact, uh, there's a couple of times where uh, Butcher Hughes, friends of Jeff Costa would be ring announcing or doing the timekeeping, and he uh, he threw coffee at me once because I won by cheating, and he chased me with a hammer another time. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> that was very scary because he's very scary. Because people would ask me, they go, "What's the deal with this gimmick?" I go, "What gimmick?" That's really him. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Like, uh, I think it's Maverick Wild talks about how. Butcher Hughes would do ring announcing, and he, and, oh. he, and he was like the biggest babyface <laughs> announcer you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. If the heel Ooh. went over, he'd say, you know, the winner of the match is Johnny Vegas, that dirty cheater. That's that's <laughs> what he did to me, exactly. I beat Cadalus one time because of that, and he didn't like that. So, but, but the, you know, Merrick Wild, I had some great times with him, too. A lot of good guys that came through there. So where I first met you was... For Maverick Wild, he mm-hmm. he kind of I don't know if he officially took over the operation, but he basically was the successor to Correct. Lobster Man. Yep. For uh, he did front row wrestling. Correct. And I uh, came on board as a referee and mm-hmm. met the fabulous Johnny Vegas. How was that transition? How was uh, you know working for a Maverick now? It was pretty cool. The transition was was pretty simple. You know he kind of. Ran it similar to Jeff Costa did, you know, very laid back. It was very nice to me all the time. I really have no complaints. You know, people always say stuff about people or whatever, different people, but uh, I've been treated very, very nicely in this business. People have been very kind to me, kind words. You know, you have a good match and they'll tell you, you know, and uh, and they'll ask for advice, which is very flattering too. And, you know, people ask you to watch their match. You know, it's pretty cool. But people have been very kind over the years. And I've been, again, I've been treated very nicely by people that have booked me too. So it's very, very cool. So were there any injuries over the years that you dealt with? Uh, I've been very fortunate other than, you know, I might jam my thumb occasionally like that. But no, um, there really has been nothing other than just Bumps and bruises and sore backs. That's about it. I thank God. Uh, maybe because I'm not that crazy in the ring. Actually, getting back to the gimmick again, there was a short stint that I always forget about. I did do a Blue Power Ranger for a short time. Really? I did. Uh, Sonny Goodspeed's <laughs> wife uh, made a Blue Power Ranger outfit. I had blue tights and a mask, which I hated because I couldn't breathe and I couldn't see. And uh, they said, hey, why don't you try it? So I tried it, and uh, I did it for a short time, and then I went back to Johnny Vegas. So there was a little gap in between. So it was just one of you? There's, it wasn't like a tag team thing? It was only a blue, blue Power Ranger. That's the only one we had. We used to run a place up in Peabody. Peabody Elks, I think it was, or something like that. So I did a lot up there. But I didn't like wearing a mask. I didn't like playing the role of that good guy superhero thingy, whatever it is. I don't know. <laughs> 
because your your persona as Johnny Vegas is the is the dastardly heel, the guy who well, takes the shortcuts, right? Yeah, you know, people say, you know, is Johnny Vegas a bad guy? I'm not really a bad guy. I, mean, I just if I have to cheat to win, I'll you know I do what it takes. You know, I, mean, well, who, I don't know who said it, but one of my favorite sayings is, "Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat." You know, I don't know if Bob Jesse the Brain Ventura, said it, Jesse Ventura, one of those <laughs> said it like that, and it, and it's great. You know, if I have to take shortcuts to to win, yeah. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> so you talked about being the Blue Power Ranger. Mm-hmm. Did you have any other quirky gimmicks? Because Lobster Man was known for filling up his posters mm-hmm. with names like Sting Ray. Sting Ray. We had Sting Ray. We had Chief <laughs> J. Period Strongbow. We had Kevin Hollis. No, Kevin Nashua. Kevin Nashua and Scott Hollis. I'm sorry. Yes, Kevin Ho- Nashua. Hollis is a town in, in uh, both towns in New Hampshire, yes. Yep. We had... Uh, Double H. Double H. <laughs> but, uh, we had Bart Hart. Bart Hart. Bart Hart. We had Homer Helmsley. Is what, it was Double H. Mm. Homer Helmsley we had. Uh, we had uh, Homo Zuna. Yes, the unfortunately named. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Homo Zuna was awesome. One of my favorites, the Siamese Twins. We had the Siamese Twins. <laughs> I'm going to start laughing. What's going on? <laughs> Siamese Twins. So we had quite a cast of characters. We had uh, the American Warrior as opposed to the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> I was, He never altered me, though. I was always the same. But uh, if he needed an Indian, he'd be, hey, hey, kid, we need an Indian. You're it. <laughs> Not to me, but somebody else. <laughs> so, but we did have an Indian. We had Chief Dave Fox. Da- was, oh, okay. was, was our... Indian, uh, but yeah, no, he never, never uh, bothered with me as far as changing. So I was lucky. Were you a part of the three D show for Lobster Man? <laughs> you know, three um, D show. Yes, you ever heard about this? No, Lobster Man did a show in three D. I actually uh, think that I I did miss it, but I know of it. So the show was done in three D. He bought a bunch of three D glasses and sold them at the show. And we go up to him and go, look, it's me in 3D. 3D. <laughs> Just like getting and in it, people's faces around people ringside. loved it. <laughs> the match was in 3D. A more carny thing you cannot <laughs> cannot describe. Brilliant. The fact of selling everyone in the arena 3D glasses. Brilliant. <laughs> Wrestling in 3D. Wait, wait, the 3D glasses didn't come with the ticket? No, 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 no. no. no buck, buck extra. Buck extra. <laughs> 3D glasses. Get them now. Brilliant. Good. 3D glasses. Here they go. Maybe, Astro, maybe we'll do Astromania in, in 3D. 3D. Yeah. That's a good idea. It was great. It was great. <laughs> well, you're spending money there, Kingpin. There you go. <laughs> so uh, back to Maverick Wild. The Maverick Wild era, uh, the front row wrestling era, who are the guys that uh, you would like to work with? Again, he would still use like uh, Gary the Torch Cadalis, again, one of my favorite opponents. We paired off very well, nicely together. You know, and again, I got a chance to work with Maverick Wild himself, and, you know, we had some great matches together. The the Bulldogs, uh, Rip Morrison and Johnny Johnny Royal. Mm-hmm. I actually had my tag team partner was uh, Manual Labor. <laughs> we were Very tag team champions. Correct. Yes, Manual <laughs> Labor. So uh, we had some good times together being tag team champions. So huh. Manual or Manuel? Manual, <laughs> Manual Labor. That's a great name. So wait, how does that go with Johnny Vegas? Or is it, or... Just two different guys, but we just... Worked well together. He was a nice big guy. He'd take care of all the big work, and I just go in and clean it up. There you go. Yeah, it was it was good. 
Uh, Maverick took good care of me, very, very, you know, booked me all the time, which was great. Uh, and we had a good time. So where do you end up going uh, after Merrick Wild kind of closed down uh, front row wrestling? Did you kind of feel like you're out of home? Yeah, you know, then, uh, you know, prior to the internet era where everybody can just communicate like that, you know, you had to actually go to shows or pick up the phone or like that. So there were other organizations that started running like uh, Liberty States Wrestling, Todd Sobel runs in Peabody and Atlantic Pro Wrestling runs out of Newburyport. There were others around too that, you know, you're just trying to, pick up shows and get to know people and it just happens you get to know people and they just continue to use you and you they're friendly with each other and you say hey i'm on this show hey we got another show with this other company and you just keep widening your acquaintances so how did chaotic wrestling come into your life yeah i lost a bet (laughs) Um, that's how it always happens well you know everybody wants to be part of chaotic wrestling you know it's the premier group of new england at least new england we have a great following the matches are great. The talent is has been awesome. You know, you guys have been part of it, so you know what it's like. I had always wanted to be a part of it, but didn't feel like I could step it up enough to be the high quality. So I kind of held myself back for a bunch of years thinking that, you know, I wasn't good enough. Maybe I'm still not good enough. Oh, come on But uh, it just I just didn't feel confident enough that uh, that I could, again, step it up to compete here in Chaotic. So it was, you know, later on that uh, I started, uh, actually I went to a show somewhere they were doing a, uh, uh, the Chaotic Countdown, and I had, you know, Troop Pro always brings a gear with him, so it was in the trunk of my car, and Jamie said, uh, hey, you want to be in it? I'm like, yep, I'm in, and it kind of slowly went from there, uh, you know, I'm used to sparingly. Once in a while, and uh, God, hopefully, it's not another guy who's about to say I kept him out of chaotic wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that last week. All the people yeah. who said I kept him out. Yeah, no, actually, no, because whenever you were involved, I think you used me. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know you were you were somebody that me and Tarzan wanted to find find a, a spot for and, right. and and have as part of the roster, and I think most importantly, have as a part of the locker room because. Mm-hmm. When I when I think of you, it, it's not only it's not only your in ring work, but it's your locker room presence and just somebody who's a joy to have in the locker room. Oh, for you. all we talked about indie politics last week, uh, yeah, and, and that and that silliness. And you're somebody who, when you're in the locker room, you're just a, you're just a pleasure to be around. You're oh, a good guy you. to be around. Like uh, when I, you know, when I talked to Todd about running a show, mm-hmm. and and you were one of the first guys that oh, I got to have Johnny Vegas on this well, on this you. show. I so, appreciate that. Yeah, and, and that 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 I think was again not only not only for your work, but also like well, geez. He's going to be a great influence on on the locker room too. So, oh, thanks. Very kind words. Very kind. And not even backstage. There seems to be like when you're out there in front of the crowd, you over the years have gained sort of like cult following. Like, even though you are a heel, like more and more people like like your presence on the show, like your whole shtick out there. And you have these like I know there's the Vegas World Order. That's mm-hmm, that's right. one of the uh, little <laughs> contingents that is uh, behind Johnny Vegas. But it, uh, over the years, you've kind of developed this this almost uh, babyface following. Even though you're doing all the heel tactics, what do you attribute that to? Well, that's why I, I think that I don't. You know, people say you're a heel. I said I'm not really a heel. I'm just you know I'm just doing my thing. And again, if I have to cheat, I cheat. That's why it's not really straight heel because I'm not a big, strong, tough heel that's going to beat people up. I'm going to try and win, and I'm going to try and win by by cheating, and some people aren't opposed to that. So, yeah, it, it has come like a little cult following, you know, and it's it's flattering, too, uh, when, you know, you know when it's like to be in the ring and people 
cheer for you or yeah. you get some kind of reaction. There's nothing like that. You know, people ask all the time, what's the feeling like? I said, if you have never experienced it, you don't know. You know, being a performer, whether it's, you know, doing stand-up comedy or being a singer or, or something, when you get a reaction from a crowd, there's nothing like that that, that fuels you and, you know, gets that adrenaline going that you get, you know, you're actually doing something that people are responding to. I talk about it all the time, and it's the 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 ones I think about are like you know the the negative reactions to John Cena and Roman mm-hmm. Reigns, and like oh why don't they listen to the fans? And it's just like well because you're reacting to them. Correct. Like the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is indifference. If you mm-hmm. if you somebody goes out there and the crowd's completely and utterly indifferent towards them, not making a peep and mm-hmm. not responding to anything they do, then then you know you get something dead that's not worth putting out there. But if you have whether it's cheers or booze, whether it's some kind of you if you're a performer and you're going out there and you're listening some kind of reaction that's what you're trying to do right exactly you know you get out there in this crickets then you know you're not doing your job exactly you know whatever it is if you're getting booed or cheered or whatever it's 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 nothing like it and that's like with chaotic you know i try to just be me you know and i'm more the likable side in chaotic but you know if i work a match i'm still if i have to cheat i'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm, I'm not big and gonna, strong, so I can't. Are you going to fine and suspend yourself? Uh, I've, no, never. <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't see it. <laughs> so speaking of matches in Chaotic, one match that really got a lot of uh, praise online was you did a match with JT Dunn, I believe, mm-hmm. yep. within the past couple years. You're not wrestling. We've talked about you're not wrestling as often as you used to, especially in Chaotic where you were the commissioner may or may not be still the commissioner right. but you once in a blue moon you will don the tights and, and work in the ring but this match with jt dunn really got a lot of people talking yeah you know basically what i'm doing is maybe once or twice a month for wrestling so you know whether it's liberty states or apw or whatever chaotic ass whatever so it's, you know once or twice a month is what i've been doing so when chaotic approached me about uh you know I was the general manager, and JT Dunn was causing some commotions, and we had had our, our run-ins, and it led up to a challenge of him, I guess, really, and I accepted. It turned out really pretty pretty good. It came off very well, I guess. Um, I got, again, a ton of praise, kind words. I, it's very, very flattering that people responded the way they did. It was enjoyable to do. It was nice to, you know, entertain the crowd. You know, it's nothing better than entertaining them and getting a reaction. And, and then getting accolades from your peers is nothing quite like that. So it was very, again, I use the word flattering a lot. But, you know, when, when your peers come up to you, a lot of times you'll get, hey, good match or whatever like that. But they actually took their time and came over individually and said that they really loved it. So that was that was nice. Michael can't relate to his peers. Yeah. No. Tell him he did a good job. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> Hoping an astromania. Someone <laughs> will say something nice. Somebody will throw you a bone. Will you come out for intermission and sign autographs at Astromania? Never. T-shirts? You got t-shirts for sale? <laughs> Wristbands. <laughs> Wrist, no, nothing. <laughs> nothing? Nothing. Well, yeah, ask me. We're going to take. We're gonna have uh, Zeke Dane there. Second mention yes. two weeks in a row. He's going to be taking pictures. Uh, I, need, I need a profile picture of you holding up the uh, three fingers 3D style. <laughs> I can't do that. Maybe holding your ri- other wrist, you know? Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> That's the standard uh, referee, referee pose. pose. My standard referee pose was hands on the hips. That, that was my standard referee pose. <laughs> I don't think you'd be doing that these days, huh? Whoa. <laughs> Maybe hands in front of you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Johnny Vegas, don't yeah. laugh at that. I'm not laughing. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> so, we've known you a long time, so I've seen the transition. Certainly. <laughs> the transformation. There was a picture online last week. I, I, I put it over. You didn't even respond. I put it over on uh, on Twitter. 
Yes, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk to the powers to be, the powers that be, the powers, powers to be, the uh, of Astromania. That see if uh, I can get you to referee my match. Well, well I mean, I mean, I'm okay with it. I just don't know if Michael's going to have it in him. <laughs> well, if there's enough time between the two matches, <laughs> if you're the opener, perhaps, and you guys are closer to the main event, we'll see what we can do. If we can work that out, <laughs> well, we shall see. We'll have to be do you want first and last? Is that what you? I'm hoping for the so recovery. Pur- so purple faced. <laughs> I hope we're back to back, and then <laughs> do two in a you, row. You, you and Scotty will come back. You know, after after however however long you wrestle, and you'll be fine. And and this guy here will be. <laughs> <laughs> oh brother, I need some time. <laughs> Going full putty. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Johnny Vegas, how long do you see this thing going? I mean, you've been doing this a while. You got your 25 year pin. <sighs> How much longer do you think you'll be hopping in the ring? Will, will it just kind of, you'll be doing it less and less, or will there be a cutoff point? You know, I'm I'm hoping that uh, I can do it on my, when I want to stop and have some kind of, you know, not a big ceremony, but say, hey, you know, this is my last couple of matches, so if anybody wants to come, come on out. Do it like that, almost like the way Fury did it, you know, just have the last few matches and... Then come back a year later? Then come back. Probably less than that. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I can. So that's my plan eventually. But, you know, I just, I tell my wife, I said, look, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this until I'm not having fun anymore. And I'm still having fun after all these years. You know, the, the people that you're with make it fun. You know, the, the guys in the locker room, when it's enjoyable to go, it's like going to work. If you enjoy going to work, it makes it more fun. And being around the people, again, we've made lots of friends throughout the years. And it's, it's nice to be with them. And, you know, a lot of times we'll just sit, you and I, Brian, and and talk about Disney. Yeah, you know, yeah. and um, don't even talk wrestling. It's like, <laughs> hey, when are you going back? You know, and, and that's uh, the funny thing as you develop relationships with people in wrestling. The more you know somebody, when you see them at wrestling shows, the less you talk about wrestling. Yeah, it's like, why am I going to talk about wrestling? We, we've lived it for this long. It's we don't have really much to talk about. We're not working, you know, together any on anything. So we'll talk Disney. So there, there's a few Disney fans, so it's nice to to do that. But as long as there's enjoyment and I'm having a good time and I don't get hurt. Uh, we're just going to see how long it goes. And you also enjoy baseball, right? I That's love awesome. baseball, yes. And you're a PA announcer for a minor league Red Sox team, right? Is it's it Red minor, Sox? It's actually Blue, Blue Jays. Toronto's, Toronto. Yeah, it's the uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats out of Manchester, New Hampshire. They're the AA affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I do the backup PA announcing. I, I'm not the full-time guy. I cannot commit. I think I could have had the job a couple of years back, but I... I said no because I I just can't commit to the time. But it's fun to go up. You know, I'll do a And you are Johnny Vegas, games. by the way. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I am. And uh, oh, very fortunate this past year because the Fish Cats won the championship, so I got a chance to call the championship games, which was very nice. And your ring is on the way? <laughs> they didn't ask me for my size. So, And years back when the, when the Red Sox were making their uh, change of public address announcers, I actually tried out for the job. So did a bunch of other people, but we actually got a chance to go to Fenway Park, sit in the announcer's seat, and they gave you a sheet to practice to to announce. There were, you know, a bunch of us and some people I knew, and uh, a lot of people got their rejections right away. So I'm like, I didn't get anything yet. And it was getting closer and closer. Finally, I did get my refusal that they said, thanks, but no thanks. It was fun to try out, though, but... I don't know if I could actually take it because they, they really tell you, they say this is not a full-time job. It does not pay a lot. It's very surprising that that job does not pay. Yeah. Well, because so. probably a lot of people want it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. You know, it's one of those and things then where... You, you use it to do other things mm-hmm. and use it more for publicity. So. so your baseball ties go actually way back, way even before all this stuff. 
you were a little league coach, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes. And I yes. saw on a certain Monday night program yes. that you had a, a famous pupil. I did. I was John Cena's Little League coach. <laughs> you of can, course you, you can were. YouTube, go on YouTube right now, and John Cena, this is your life, and it's still up there for what people tell me. So I'm in the first segment hosted by Mick Foley, and uh, I came out as John Cena's Little League coach. That had to have been like, I, you know, it's crazy it sounds like, I think I know, I might know the exact date of, of that. I think it was probably November 14th or 13th of 2011. Correct. Yep. Yeah, right around there. And I, I only know this November because I, my wife was pregnant, mm-hmm. and I went with Jamie, and I want to say maybe Fat Pants, with the sole reason going, knowing mm-hmm. you were going to be on, and we got trapped in the parking lot, and I was very afraid that Steph was going to go into labor, because I had no <laughs> cell phone reception, but my daughter was born a couple days later. But so that, that's the only reason I know the date of that. It was very cool, like when that did happen, and uh, my phone blew up as soon as I finished my my segment. Oh, I'm in section 228. Oh, I'm, I'm here. I can't believe it. I, why didn't you tell us you were doing this? My phone was ringing and stuff. I'm like, well, you know, when I got the call to do this, uh, nothing was definite. You know, they say, hey, we're going to do this, but actually, when I got to the to the garden, they actually said, uh, hey, we got to cut your your piece out. I'm like, oh, this, whatever. You know, I don't care. I was I was there and enjoying it, so it was actually cut. But they said, don't leave. We might have something else for you. Something, and yeah, sure, and whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just kind of wandering the halls and eating a lot and, you know, talking because I like to talk. Talk to everybody that walked by. And um, John Cena had come out of an office with the producer, and he walked by me and said, oh, by the way, uh, you're back in. We put this segment back in. So I'm like, great, awesome. So that's how we did it. Okay, he was probably like seven, eight years old at the time. You were what, 14? As a little league coach, <laughs> <laughs> the age gap is not quite uh, matching up for me here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that works. You didn't even put a little like more gray in your hair. You could have. Don't I have enough? Well, <laughs> I got to take out what I've got now. Box is sitting on my <laughs> counter. I said you're probably jet black for that segment. I would have. Not black. It's brown. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was all brown by back then. Was that your first time backstage for WWE? Yes. Yep. After all those years, yeah, yeah. was it a, a interesting experience? It was very interesting and thoroughly enjoyable. Um, you know, when they, they called here to the school and spoke with Jamie, I think, and Brian, and they were looking for somebody a little, like, older that could play that part. And uh, I think Jamie had somebody else in mind originally, but then they said, oh, we got a guy here. And uh, I was actually, the next day I was traveling, I think it was in Rhode Island or something, and just walking into the hotel room, and my phone rings, and I know it's WWE, and I said to my wife, I go, oh my God, it's WWE. <laughs> and so it's a woman, and she says, hey, uh, are you interested in coming in Monday for, for Raw? And I said, absolutely. What time am I going to, do you want me? She said, two o'clock. I said, I'll be there at one. <laughs> and uh, It's probably Kristen Altman, I would imagine. Uh, it was... Um, Andrea, uh, I, I'd have to look. Right? Yeah. So, and a couple of other guys from the the Pro Wrestling Academy had got the call to go in and do some security work and stuff like that. So, uh, I saw a couple of the guys, and uh, it was great. I mean, you walk in and they really treated you like royalty, like part of the family. You know, you you get there and everybody introduces themselves, and um, 
you know, there's plenty of food. They feed you like it's crazy. <laughs> and um, and then, you know, you do your thing. And then uh, after I was done, I get some compliments, uh, you know, like uh, Vicky Guerrero came over to me and, uh, and Natalia came over to me and uh, Dolph Ziggler. And they're like, hey, very, very good. That was awesome. I'm like, hey, thanks. Can I work here full time? <laughs> <laughs> and then they walked away. They go, it wasn't that good. So it was a segment with John Cena involved. So I'm sure, like the higher ups were all over it. Did you interact with like McMahon's? Uh, no, just when I was at the backstage, the gorilla position. Yes, um, it was Vince McMahon sitting in the corner. Triple H was next to him. Michael Hayes was really at the curtain, telling you when to go. Uh, a couple other guys that I did not recognize. And stand back there, a guy handed me a microphone, says, "You're on first. Okay." And that was basically my interaction with any of the higher-ups. So he got in just the right time where he got treated like royalty, Brian. Yeah, that's that's something because uh, I never got treated like royalty. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. another, there's another... There's an, oh, wait, he's not going to say anything bad about... Uh, yeah, WWE. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Fury uh, standing here and uh, notorious shill for <laughs> world wrestling entertainment. <laughs> shill. <laughs> Do you have anything to say about Johnny Vegas? We're just wrapping up our interview with uh, your assistant trainer. What is there to say about Johnny Vegas? Actually, no, I... I there's a big reason why I have him here at the school. He is he is an amazing talent, amazing person, and he is actually one of the few guys that was there my first like one or two days in a wrestling ring period, and he was always a, a big influence on me, and uh, he's a showman, a showman beyond belief. My favorite part about Johnny Vegas, though, is big ups to Mucko, you say at the end of the, uh, end of the show. Do you remember how he would sing Johnny Vegas' music? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> You would go, fucking atrocious. <laughs> that will always stick in my head because I love Mike and I love Johnny Vegas together. So, But no, Johnny Vegas, he's, he's great. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you have him on your podcast. He's a big fan of the podcast, I hear. <laughs> I heard that. We talked about that, too. I heard Don't that. miss an episode. This is episode, what, 149? All right, oh, yeah. Out of memory. I have no clue. How come I wasn't on before 149? We had to build up. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. take that. <laughs> yeah, we had to practice all this time. We can't just give the you. people, you know, we can't give the people no, what they've been clamoring for right, right out of the gate. That's right. Had to wait for 149. <laughs> so, Brian, it's Astromania. That yes. is where you can see Johnny yes. Vegas. Yes, Astromania. Johnny Vegas versus Scotty Slade. Awesome. I'm very excited. You can't wait. It's a you know n- new place for us to go, Pinkerton Academy. Great school. Uh, it's going to be a, you know, a, a huge place, so we want to fill it. You know, you've got some great names on on the card. I don't know if you've released some names, but I've seen some names. Yeah, already, I think so. yeah, yeah. Everybody is everybody's name is who's on the show is out great. there. So, so we're looking forward to that, and uh, hopefully, starting something new. Yeah, ho- looking forward to it, and and thank you for being part of it. And thank you. It, Thanks it's for something that me. yeah, something that uh, again, as soon as I. I, I decided we were doing. You know, me and Todd decided we were doing this. You were somebody who I knew I had to have on the card. So thank you, I appreciate that. So AstromaniaLSW.com for tickets. Yes, sir. Starting at just fifteen dollars, March, March 30th, 30th at Pinkerton Academy, right in Derry. So it's easy to get to, even for you, Mike. Beautiful facility <laughs> too. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean the place is great. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a great night of uh, wrestling action. All right, well, Johnny Vegas, thank you very much for being on the wrestling podcast. Thank you guys. About nothing. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time. 
We want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion with fabulous Johnny Vegas. Use the hashtag WPAN so we can interact with you on social media or why don't you call the voicemail line? Call the voicemail line. We will put your voice on this show. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And Brian, we do have a voicemail. It's not anything regarding Astromania. No, it isn't. Mike, I got a little confession to make. What's that? Can I, can I, give, you, can I give this confession before, before we listen to the voicemail? Please do. So you have to give a phone number for when you sign up for brown paper tickets to publish on the ticket website. Yes. <laughs> so I put I wasn't going to put my personal phone number on there. So I put the WPAN's voicemail line as the phone number for. So if you get any weird like people asking about Astromania, uh, it's because uh, that is the, also the official line of Astromania. Really? Yes. We haven't got any voicemails. <laughs> I can check if we got uh, some hang-ups. <laughs> Might have gotten a few hang-ups. I'll take a look at that. But first, let's uh, take a listen to this voicemail. Hey guys, this is Jason Tiller from uh, Lawrenceville, Illinois, or uh, Vincennes, Indiana, however you want to want to put it. No, I was listening to your uh, show last week, and uh, you talked about you know, the politics in indie wrestling. I think you guys are spot on with a lot of your assessment of it. Uh, the big deal is that people want to feel like they're in control, and you know, a lot of these guys they're never getting out of these small indie promotions, and uh, they want to feel like they're important. Uh, that, that's been my experience anyway, and I'll give you a couple examples. A uh, gentleman uh, who's from a couple hours away, we work for this promotion. Uh, they do charity work. Um, we don't get paid to be there. That's kind of the way it works. It, it, it's honestly not not that great of a plan. I mean, it, it, it's okay. It, it's a place to go and, and work and get some ring experience, right? So a uh, guy that comes up works from like two hours away. Why he comes that far, I don't know. Um, but he comes up and he's scheduled one night to wrestle uh, a, another guy who uses face paint, right? Well, this guy's invested a lot in his gear and whatnot. And he looks at the card and he says, I'm not wrestling that fucking guy. And literally goes to the promoter and says, hey, I don't want to wrestle him. And then gets the booker to change the card. I mean, it was it was just a big... Big schmoz, big to do, over really honestly nothing. Um, the same guy um, threatened to quit. And keep in mind, we're not getting any money for getting for, for for this promotion, right? So literally went to the promoter, threatened to quit, and said, "I'm leaving and never coming back unless you put a title on me." And he he didn't even go for the heavyweight title; he went for the mid card title, and. Um, a lot of us in the locker room were like, good written, let the fucker go. But uh, a promoter liked him for some reason and uh, went and put a belt on him. So uh, that's been our uh, our experience with indie politics. You guys are doing great. Congrats on uh, Ring of Honor, Mr. Malonis. Very worthy and notable accomplishment. Uh, very happy for you guys. Uh, Y'all have a great day. So, confirmation is not just a New England thing, Brian. No, but I really want to focus in on one piece of that uh, that voicemail that really intrigued me, and that was the uh, congratulations he extended <laughs> me for. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, yeah, have you dealt with that, Brian? Uh, someone, uh, I'll leave unless you put a title on me personally, or have you been around someone who did something like that? Yeah, Mike Nice. 
<laughs> he didn't have to say the name. Why? What, what's he going to do? Come beat me up? He's a past uh, voicemail caller, I think. I don't it, think. Is, is it him or someone who did his voice? I don't think it was really him. He was really upset about not being there. He hates me now. I don't. Like, I never did anything to him, and he hates me now. So what do I give a shit? Yeah, he <laughs> he deleted me on Facebook. Yeah, me too. I, I don't know why he hates. Well, I know why he hates me. He thinks I'm partially responsible for him never, never being the Catholic wrestling heavyweight champion. But uh, and he thinks I booked him to wear a dress. <laughs> that was a fantastic day. That's a, we'll have to tell that story sometime. Maybe we have. I think Maybe we, we did. did. Maybe uh, Todd did when he was on. But uh, yeah, he uh, he was very upset over not winning the Catholic wrestling heavyweight championship. There's also another un- unnamed person. Who I this this person I will protect because they're I am friends with them, but uh there was another another fella that was very upset about uh not winning the chaotic wrestling heavyweight championship that uh I exchanged text messages with very early on in my tenure too. So you talked about Mike Nice. The story didn't end uh like it did for Jason Tiller where they gave him the title. They just didn't give him the title. <laughs> nope, no, we were done with the him. politicking just didn't work. <laughs> politicking threatening, whatever. <laughs> It all stops at Brian Malonis. The buck stops here with Paul. You know, it's funny. I didn't. I didn't even have. I didn't even. I'm not even the one that gave got the text messages. He said he was texting Jamie. Oh, okay. He was. You know, it was all to Jamie and subtle threats and all that. He was the one last week I talked about where uh, threats of physical violence. <laughs> oh man, yeah, very silly stuff. <laughs> yeah, and uh, speaking of, that's uh, that's. I don't know. It's not physical violence, but it's uh, crime. Uh, we're here at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, spray painting the doors. We talked about that in this whole promotion to promotion politics yes. thing, and we actually had photos. We found photos. They were actually provided to us by uh, the archivist or the archivist of Chaotic Wrestling, who uh, uh, leave nameless for no particular reason whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, there are photos of the collision rules asshole. That was spray painted on the door of this fine facility. And it got me thinking, there's no comma after rules. It's not collision rules, comma, ass. <laughs> is it? Do they they just rule assholes? They is rule asshole. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No, but it wasn't even, I don't know. They were talking to one specific person because it wasn't assholes. No. Yeah, it was singular. Yeah, singular. So they rule somebody's asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was particular person in this photo that got your eye brian <laughs> yes it was a very slender gentleman looking very very lean very mean mean mike crockett as yeah. uh joe morano likes to call you yes uh when i still what ha- the fuck happened <laughs> when i still had the fire in my belly brian for professional wrestling what's for- in your belly now <laughs> <laughs> Lots of stuff. <laughs> Mini eggs, Brian. It's that season. You know all about it. Oh, Mike, I haven't had sugar in 15 days at this point. By the time this drops, it'll be like 20 days, and I'm ready to tear my uh, tear my skin off. <laughs> I should have brought the uh, mini eggs. Oh, I would have punched you right in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So thank you, Jason Tiller, for the call about indie politics. Uh, a lot of people chimed in on this, and a lot of people downloaded the episode. So thank you very much for that. So let's talk about some other podcasts before we get to uh, the end of this thing here, Brian. Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast with Mike Mills, Harbody Harper, and Doc Turner. They do two podcasts a week on Sundays and Thursdays. They're talking about the old Smoky Mountain shows. They're talking about the old Jim Cocker promotion shows. So check out MikeMills.Podbean.com if you love that Southern-style wrestling 
on booking the territory. Also, you just mentioned Joe Murata, our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. He is the host, his co-host, or his equal host is Michael Quinn, and they're talking about kind of more the northern flavor of your retro wrestling. So check out our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, ovppodcast.com for more on that. Greetings from Allentown. With PW, Peter Winston, our next-door neighbor, he talks about one single episode of wrestling. He is one single man, and he talks uh, a whole lot about a whole bunch of random things, but brings it all back to pro wrestling in the end. Greetings from Allentown is available on the Pro Wrestling Only feed, on Place to Be Nation, or his own feed. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Troy, all the rest over there. There's a whole network, Brian. You're aware of this now, the Rundown Wrestling Network. I am, I am aware. You are aware. Rundownwrestling.com is how you find out about all the tens, the multitudes of shows over there on the Rundown Wrestling Network. So subscribe to that feed and enjoy. Brian, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates. I do, Mike, and I and, and I got added late to dates last weekend. Crazy. I, had a, I, I heard. I thought I had the weekend off, and then I ended up in Connecticut and Western Massachusetts, so you never know where the kingpin's going to pop up. But I can tell you where I'm popping up next weekend, and that's in Providence, Rhode Island for... Uh, the Providence Wrestling Party, and that's on Sunday, March the 3rd, 4 p.m. bell time. Uh, I've been sharing it all over my social media, uh, but go to Facebook, find Providence Wrestling Party for full ticket and card information. I believe they take uh, PayPal for for tickets online. I'll be wrestling a minor, Michael, AJ Phoenix, so uh, you might have to find a new co-host next week because I might be going to jail for assaulting a minor. Uh-oh. Yes, so uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll take, try to take it easy on him, but I don't know the uh, legalities of, of that. So hopefully, his parents sign off on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's open. <laughs> then, like on Friday, March eighth, I'm heading up to Lisbon Falls, Maine, for NAWA. Our good friend Larry Huntley. Don't know who I'm wrestling yet, but excited to be heading there uh, again. They do have an event page on Facebook, uh, so go to Facebook and search NAWA Lisbon Falls for. Full ticket and card information. Then, Mike, I'm heading to fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Ah. For, <laughs> see how it ties all together? For Ring of Honor's international TV taping on Saturday night, March the 16th. Uh, that'll be taped exclusively for Ring of Honor television. But the night before... ROH's 17th anniversary pay-per-view, you can watch from home, uh, traditional pay-per-view, Fight TV, or Honor Club, so be sure to check that out. And then, Mike, the big one, the one we've all been anticipating, the one Johnny Vegas is coming to, March the 30th, Pro Wrestling returns to the Granite State, courtesy of the Kingpin, Liberty States Wrestling, and the Pinkerton Academy Class of 2019. Tickets are moving fast. It's going to be the Bouncers versus the Logan Brothers. It's going to be Fabulous Johnny Vegas versus Scotty Slade. It's going to be Davian versus the Widow Belmont. Chase Del Monte versus Nico Silva. Vern Vicala will be defending the Liberty States Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. Graduates of the of Pinkerton Academy, Todd Sopel and Bryce Clayton will be in action. Sethrin's going to be there. Vanity Vixen's going to be there. Robo the Punjabi Lion. Sidney Bacabella. Cam Zagami's weird character, whatever he's doing now. 
<laughs> but they're all they're going to be there. All the stars are going to be there, Mike. Astromania, LSW.com. Tickets start just $15. Uh, if you're a fan of this podcast, if you're within driving distance, I implore you, please go buy your tickets ahead of time. Come to the show. Come out and support uh, what we're trying to do, trying to help Pinkerton, and really just trying to have a great, fun you know, night of pro wrestling action. So uh, Astromania, LSW.com for four tickets. And, uh, hey, there's a perk to buying your tickets early. You're going to get in the door 30 minutes early. Uh, it's general admission floor and general admission bleachers. So uh, if you're uh, one of the folks that buy ahead of time, you're going to get in earlier. You're going to get a better seat. So, And, hey, Mike Crockett's going to be there, and hopefully he doesn't split his ref pants. <laughs> Mike, what color are your undies if you do split? Black undies. All right. Always when you're refereeing. Black <laughs> underwear. In case it splits, you're covered. In case you have any skid marks, too. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. If you want to book the kingpin, email brianmalonis at comcast.net. If you want to book the brawler, also brianmalonis at comcast.net. Or DM him on Twitter. He is at brianmalonis. This week's promo about nothing is from the year 1989, Brian, right in the wheelhouse of my pro wrestling fandom. I don't know about you. You were, you were around for a while. Uh, yeah, I have been. I've been watching wrestling longer than you, and you're like 25 years older than me. That's not even true. Uh, Brian, it's from the World Wrestling Federation. Anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. And always does. Brian, this is the ultimate warrior. This week's promo about nothing. Not my favorite. The ultimate warrior has a lot of bad habits. But only ones that help me survive. Don't deprive yourself of the full power. Be a survivor. Don't smoke. That's it. Wow. All right. So don't smoke, Brian. Crushing up a lot of cigarettes there. He certainly was. <laughs> he made his point, both verbally and physically. Well, I mean, I must not have seen that because I used to smoke cigarettes. So. <laughs> yeah, you killing butts. I clearly, all maybe day long. Hulk Hogan would have done the commercial instead of The Ultimate Warrior. Maybe I would have listened. But no, instead, you were smoking uh, even after you started wrestling, right? You were... I, I was for a stretch, yeah, just ripping butts. I was working um, Ultimate Championship Wrestling uh, down in the North Attleboro area and. Uh, Come back for my match and go out uh, out back with uh, Mike McCarthy and a couple of other uh, smokers and rip a couple butts. Cigarettes, right? Yeah. Okay, cigarettes. All right. Um, so he <laughs> said he had a lot of bad habits, but you know, smoking's not one of them. Apparently, <laughs> can we figure out what the bad habits were of the Ultimate Warrior? Pro wrestling. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, Houston. <laughs> I could I come up with a couple. I think. Uh. Being a bigot, maybe one. Of them. Well, now they're doing <laughs> the racism, homophobia. Um, what else? That, that, that boatloads of steroids. <laughs> well, you know, that's wrong with that, right? <laughs> not there's anything wrong with that. No, not at all. Uh, so the Ultimate Warrior, probably not the best pitch man. Do you remember him being the first pitch man for Slim Jims? I do not. You don't? Nope. I mean, it became Macho Man's gig. That was his thing. But the first guy to do Slim Jim ads was the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, maybe I do remember the commercials with him. I guess I didn't realize he was he was first. The one line I remember is, nice, antique. Because they're in this guy's <laughs> garage, and he picks up some like chair or something and asks if it's antique good story mike maybe you should have found that for the promo <laughs> but nothing you seem to be more interested in that than the cigarette psa 
<laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, you heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. Brian, we'll be back right here next Monday for big episode 150 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. 150. Can you believe it? Unbelievable, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Till then. He is the Kingpin Brawler, Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.